0: It's difficult to be a technology leader. Here at the podcast, we spend our time making it easier for you. And we've gone even farther on this mission than just the podcast. Our goal this year is to help 100,000 technologists level up as leaders with Leaderbits. this could be as simple as you helping level someone else up on your team you acting as the mentor or maybe you're a team leader and you're looking to level up into a vp or director role we are here for you at leaderbits.io to help you grow as a technology leader visit us and ask us all the questions that you have at leaderbits.io now, get excited because. Today, we are talking to Joe Kinsella, the CTO of Cloud Health by VMware. And we discuss key takeaways from scaling a company, the entrepreneurial mindset of having the will to make it happen, and establishing a culture of goal setting to get everyone rowing in the same direction. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Joe. Hey Joel, how are ya? Fantastic, man, look at that. Let's see what you got going on. Looks like you're in Boston.
1: I'm in Boston on a lousy rainy day, so.
0: Dude, you and me both, Sarasota, well I'm in Sarasota, Florida, but it's uh, woke up this morning as like hurricane winds.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny is we are getting really high winds. Um, uh, it was just walking across the street, it is uh, probably some of the highest winds I've seen in Boston in a couple of years.
0: Definitely. So I pull out of my, first of all. So I opened my garage this morning, right? And I hear bang, 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 right? I'm like, what is going on? And we have like an attic, right? It's got like the cover. The wind is so strong, it's coming in the garage and it's blowing the cover up into the attic and it's coming and it's coming back down. I was like, oh my goodness. My wife's texting me, she's like, what are you doing in the garage? I'm trying to leave. So yeah, and then and then we go out, I'm excited right now, I don't know why, probably just because we're talking, but I, I, so I go out, and um, I have a jeep, right, so I back my jeep up, and there's like 60 birds in the sky, and that's normal, but something very wrong is happening with them, because they're all like, look stiff, and they're, they're like, being flipped upside down, they got caught in some sort of like, wind thing, and they like, uh-huh. play dead or something, because I just, it, I've never seen that before in my life, National Geographic, none of that, it was crazy.
1: That's wild. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Any bird tornadoes in Boston? <laughs> no,
1: no bird tornadoes. So I haven't seen a bird in the sky in a while. So I think, uh, but you know, uh, it's it's odd day. It's, it must be 60 degrees out and raining in Boston uh, in December. That is just very strange.
0: Same weather here, man. All right. So I'm excited to, to, to start talking to you. So the, the show, this whole thing, we're already recording. We just clip out what we don't want right? So we, we sound like rock stars and everybody loves it. That's great. Yes. And so I want to hear a little bit about how, how you fell in love with technology.
1: Uh, oh yeah, I can tell you that story. So, um, uh, yeah, so I, um, my dad brought home, uh, Apple II computer, uh, back when I was, I think 11 years old and, uh, I started hacking on it. And, uh, as usual, I think probably a pretty standard, uh, um, uh development from playing games to deciding that I wanted to write games and to write games I had to learn software and and uh, I think my first big project was I wrote this baseball simulator um, uh, so I, I wanted to simulate what babe Ruth would do um, uh, with against modern pitchers. okay and so I uh, found myself challenged trying to write all this uh, complex software that I' had never written before to try to answer the question and that was, That just got me um, kind of fused my two passions, which is I grew up uh, really a big baseball fan and very quickly found my second passion from my first passion, which was uh, writing software. And so, uh, you know, fast forward all these years later, I feel like I've had one job my whole career, which is building software.
0: I love it. That's, that's interesting. I was on this YouTube channel, like as a guest of somebody's show. And they asked me, they said, you know, how, how could somebody get started in programming? And I just, like came up with some answer off the top of my head and I said, you know, find something that you love. I think I asked him in real time. He's like, oh, "I really like music and he wanted to learn machine learning." And I was like, "All right, we'll find some excuse to apply machine learning to music and then just do that for fun." And there there's your intro to engineering. So that's exactly how you got started. That's awesome.
1: It is. Yeah. I think it all it all derives from. I mean, you have to have a drive to actually push through learning the craft of software engineering and uh, having it uh, a problem you want to solve, I think, just makes it all, 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 all that easier. So then, what problems are you solving today? So, uh, so what I did is uh, six years ago, I made the uh, incredibly irrational decision to go off and uh, quit my job and start a company. So, um, uh, <laughs> exactly, I, I try to talk there. everybody else out of doing it because it is. <laughs> It is probably the single most irrational thing you can go do. And uh, for the last um, uh, six years, I've actually spent building cloud health technology. So the thing that drove me was I saw this um, uh, just this incredible incredible complexity that was growing with cloud computing, which was, you know the cloud opened up all this just you know incredible opportunity for us around agility and innovation and consumption-based pricing and on-demand infrastructure. And it was just transformative in what its potential was, but at the same time, um, it came with complexity. And that complexity was increasing um, uh, every week, every month, every quarter. And so I just wanted to make it my mission to go solve that, um, not just for myself, but for other customers. And so I got to a point, I just realized that it was just such a, you know, I couldn't get it out of my brain. And I, I really had to go um, uh, just give it a try. So I quit my job. Um, and then six years later, where we're at now is uh, we're dealing with kind of the next wave of cloud computing, which is we, we've collapsed a lot of this complexity for the 3,800 customers of cloud health. And uh, the next challenge is, is, is the way we're using the cloud is actually um, uh, moving into its next evolution. You know, I call it 2.0, where uh, we're moving away from using the cloud as better virtualization, which is really, you know, just infrastructure as a service, and moving to- more towards composable applications and and platform services, and really, what what I think is the real innovation of cloud computing.
0: So your name leads me to believe, like I'm going to store my Apple Watch health data in your cloud. But what what is it that you guys really do? Cloud management.
1: So it's the cloud health head. of your cloud. Yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah. So, so we. Well, oh, we, you're like we, little cloud. You're like cloud doctors. You were like. <laughs> We're like cloud doctors, yes. it's uh, it, it, it could be the health of the security of your cloud. It could be the health of, of um, uh, your costs in the cloud. It could be the health of your performance in the cloud. Basically, every aspect of how you uh, manage business services and applications, that's what cloud health is all about. It's just making it more streamlined, more effective for you to manage.
0: Please tell me somewhere in your marketing, you have like a sad cloud.
1: <laughs> I <don't think laughs> there is. I really don't. <laughs> please <laughs>
0: yeah, you just do a little rainstorm be like <laughs> feeling under the weather.
1: Well, you know if you, if you want to join our marketing team, just let me know. so uh, so clearly we're missing that opportunity.
0: I love yes, it's like it's right there in front of us.'ll we'll, we'll work on it. I'll send you some of my ideas. Look, if you actually look outside, Boston is is, is showing you the sign right now. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's correct.
0: Oh, okay. So you started this, did you find a co-founder? Like how did you how did you go about it?
1: Um uh yeah, so I started um uh as a one person business. I uh I had the idea. I um had worked in this space for a while. I actually had the the luxury of in addition to being in, um a, a fairly uh, you know, reasonable expert in uh IT management, I also had was an early adopter of Amazon and had in a previous company had built it to pretty large scale. Um uh so for its time it was 4 five thousand cores of compute and for four five petabytes of storage, and this was 2010, 11 time frame. And uh, so I, I had a lot of deep expertise in this space. And so uh, when I quit my job, I started uh, uh, on a path of experimentation. So I, uh, I took this model of, I actually set up shop at a, um, uh, uh, as an EIR at a venture firm. And uh, just so I had uh, a phone, a desk, and just some structure around my life. And I ran uh, effectively sprints every two weeks. I was running a new experiment, trying to prove or disprove the concept um, around this idea I had in cloud management. And and I just ran a series of successive uh, experiments. Uh, some were, were just like uh, putting up a web page and driving traffic to it. Um, uh, some, were, uh, some were surveys that I sent out. Um, you know, and ultimately it kind of culminated, in I uh, I ran one experiment where I ended up closing a customer effectively by accident uh, as part of the experiment. And all of a sudden, I was a business with one customer. And uh, uh, so at that point in time, I realized um, a couple weeks later, as I started to close the second customer, I realized really something was happening here. I was really hitting the market at the right time with the right message. And so I went out and I found a a CEO uh, to come in. And uh, in fact, I started a CEO search and ended up One of my advisors ended up being my CEO in the end. And and that was the end of 2012. In uh, 2013, we went out and raised money, and uh, we were off and running. So how many people do you have now? Um, uh, So so as of a a couple months ago, we were um, acquired by uh, VMware. And uh, at the time of acquisition, I think we were around 320 people. Um, uh, So over the course of that six years, we grew from one to 320.
0: Woo. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it was a wild ride. You bring bringing some value to the market. That doesn't happen unless if you're valuable.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was and you know, and we weren't looking to be acquired. It was kind of an interesting thing for me, which is uh, we, we just raised a big round led by Kleiner Perkins. We were kind of headed down this path of uh, building a big public company. And, uh, and this came along and just the synergies felt right. And I felt pretty good about um the vision and the people I was working with. And so we, uh, we, we, Kind of took a different course and went down the path of an acquisition.
0: Yeah, we know uh, Kit Colbert or Colbert. I, I always mess up that name, but he's one of the CTOs of I think like IoT or cloud of yeah, VMware. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know Kit? I, I don't know him. I think uh, I think, I think we maybe shook hands at um, uh, in VMworld, either U.S. or Barcelona, but I don't yeah.
0: know him. Oh, he was. We had him on the show. He was a really awesome guy. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And now I also see you're a member of the Forbes Technology Council. Correct. So am I. <laughs> well, like, I like it. I, I, think, I thought it's like, it's one of those things that like, you think about doing, and you're like, eh, and then you're like, okay, cool. But you know what? I get like no spam from there, which yeah, is I mean, what I really like. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a good, lightweight way to engage in the community and just stay connected with topics that... Um, are, you know, keep keep certain topics front of, front of mind that um people are talking about in the industry.
0: Yeah, plus it's super cool when you contribute to Forbes and like,
1: yeah, exactly. you have
0: a Forbes article. Like, that's like, that's <laughs> amazing, right? Like, yeah. I think that's like one of the coolest things in the world. Like, I, it's like a childhood dream, like cross off. It's like, it's not the cover, <laughs> but it's close. <laughs> I'm still working on that's it. <laughs> I have like a photo shot. Yeah, I know. I know. So from your experience growing uh, zero to over three hundred in a couple couple years, just five six years, you know, what are your big takeaways from
1: that? Um, It is uh, really really hard, I have to tell you. So um, so I think uh, there's um, you know you look and it's one of those things where. You see, uh, when you look at the graphs of our revenue over time, it, it's like the classic uh, VC revenue graphs of up and to the right. Everything looks great. Everything is getting better every month than the previous month, and it all looks fantastic. And uh, but the inside is uh, of of going through that type of growth is just it, it's really hard. It's um it never feels like it does uh, like like those graphs make it appear. In fact, I used to tell this uh, story all the time where where uh, every, as we were going through these phases, people would look at our growth and they would say, "You know, wow, congratulations, what a fantastic success you're having. And, and I uh, adopted this um, uh, story of like, you know, you know what that feels to me is like, and what it feels like is I'm driving around in this like hot red sports car all day and everyone's looking at it saying, wow, that is a beautiful hot red sports car. And then I drive it into my garage at night and then work on it all night so that I can drive it out again. That's really what it felt like throughout that period of time is you, you never feel like you're as successful as the uh, outside perceives you and as the numbers uh, suggest you are because there's so many things to fix. And I think that's just the nature of uh, building a company is uh, something is always broken, something can always be improved, and the key is to uh, pay attention to the right ones at the right time.
0: Yeah, and with the chaos of the scaling, right, you got customers, they're going to want it to do different things. And so now you have to make sure you're keeping the product aligned with the business. You know, like what, did you have a lot of struggle with that?
1: Oh, we did, without a doubt. So, um, uh, so in the early days, when you're building, you know, you look at what we did is we built a product for uh, a market that really didn't exist. No one was really doing cloud management. No one really understood the space of like building a platform that can drive your cloud center of excellence uh, back in 2012. And so we we built the product, and uh, and it's so much easier in those early days because uh, there's no expectations around it. You have very few customers, and so the amount of um, uh, requests that you get and the feedback you get is limited. You know, as you start to grow, as you go from a handful of customers to uh, dozens to hundreds to thousands, uh, that fundamentally changes. And and the key is um, you need to figure out ways to get the signal-to-noise ratio correct so that you're paying attention to the right issues at the right time. You also need to figure out how to scale the DNA of your organization, which is when you're one team, like when uh, marketing or sales or engineering is just a single flat team uh, reporting into a single, single individual, that's pretty easy to manage. As you start to break into teams, being able to scale that DNA to make sure that people are, uh, you know, uh, maintain the innovation, maintain the connection to the customer, maintain the, um, uh, the, the depth of technical context that's required to move quickly. These are things that you have to constantly figure out how to scale them uh, in the new environment. And so to me, I always look at it as you're really trying to, to, to keep the DNA of the organization uh, the same or roughly the same, but figure out ways to adapt how you go execute it. And at every level of scale. Uh, um, I found that there were just, you know, new plays you had to run in your playbook to go make that happen.
0: Yeah. Was it a lot of you keeping the, the people running the teams like really close to you? So you could like culture wise, you could understand who they were as people, the new people coming on and that they came in and understood how, how the, the culture was there.
1: It was. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first set of people you bring in, you work closely with. So, so what you do is in, as a company scales quickly is you get this original called up like a, um, a founding team, like the first few, first less than 10 people in, they're all tightly bonded. They all know exactly what the mission of the company is. They all represent the DNA of the company. And what happens is, as you scale, uh, newer individuals get less and less time from that, that core 10 that, that, uh, that, that were there at the company. And the less time they get, it becomes harder to impart through uh, just working together the DNA of the organization, and what the expectations are, and the vision, and the focus. And so you've got to find ways to kind of, you know, get it so that even as that distance grows, because had we continued, we would have gone for hundreds of thousands of people over time. And, uh, and we still will. We'll just do it inside of VMware. And so you just have to figure out a way to actually um, make that scale so that people do feel connected to the mission. They do know what they need to do. They do have an instinctive sense of where to focus and where not to focus. Um, and they feel like they're, um, uh, they they really, um, understand all the cultural tenets of the, of the business.
0: We're working on that right now. We just hired our 10th person yesterday.
1: Excellent. So, uh, so that, that's exciting. So, uh, how, how many people were you a year ago?
0: We didn't exist a year ago.
1: Okay. All right. Uh,
0: we started a leadership training company out of the podcast. People, basically people came on and were asking for it and we're like, all right, well, People knock on your front door and ask for lemonade. You should open up a lemonade stand. And so, (laughs) so we're like, all right, cool. And you know, what I did was I just created a PowerPoint and like went around to a couple people who had mentioned it. And I was like, Hey, you guys mentioned you want something. Do you want to purchase this and actually pay for it? And they're like, yeah. And so we got some customers, built a product in like 10 days. And that was like seven months ago. And now we have 10 people.
1: That is uh, absolutely incredible
0: yeah and we did a we did a small uh after we got our first hundred thousand in revenue like that was just me calling people on like zoom calls then we uh did a round with this company called Florida funders just a like a VC type company that's for like in Tampa and because you know we're in Florida and they they invested and then now we're just like scaling sales
1: that's incredible Incredible. It's um, it is highly irrational. So I'm I'm glad to know I'm talking to somebody else who's also equally irrational to go off and uh, start something on your own. But it's it's nice when you start to those those early days where you're you know really grinding it out through the early problems and bringing people on. You know, I look back at that as some of the most exciting times in the business, uh, even though at the time they sometimes feel like some of the hardest times in the business.
0: Yeah, and we were talking about the culture thing today. And so we started this thing today called Fun Friday. So it's basically, we'll like answer a fun question. Like if you could have two superpowers, what would they be and why? Like different questions every week, but we answer them as a team and we can all see each other's responses.
1: Right? That's awesome.
0: We just built like a little internal tool. And uh, so now I got to ask you, because this is like our sort of team building thing that we did at the office today. If you had two superpowers, what would they be and why?
1: Well, I, I think I'd probably have to go with... Um... I'd probably go with flying, you know, that's, uh, I think that's, that's a no brainer because I think, uh, you know, every, every human wants to fly and who doesn't, you know, you look at the commute here in Boston, uh, it's, uh, this would really cut up, cut down my commute and let me spend more time building my business. Right. Yeah. Um, I think my second, um, might be, uh, I don't know. I always like Spider-Man, so I, I wouldn't mind being able to uh, you know, uh, shoot webs out at people. So um, I'm sure that could come in handy in certain discussions that occur building products.
0: All right. There we go. It <laughs> <laughs> gives Whiteboard a whole new meeting. <laughs> right?
1: And what were yours?
0: Oh, uh, uh, time traveler and shapeshifter, so I could go anywhere and be anything.
1: All right. <laughs> that sounds great.
0: I was like, I don't know. Because I'd be like, if you could travel through time and you can change shape, like I could go be a kangaroo in the 1800s. (laughs) I don't know why.
1: why you'd want to do that? But
0: I don't know why either. I don't really question the thoughts that come through my head. I just like let them, let them come. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's Friday and it's like the day before break, so everybody at the office is just like really in a good mood. (laughs) Is that how it is over there?
1: Uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I think, you know, everyone, uh, a lot of people are, are, are working still next week, but, um, uh, but I think everyone's kind of shifting gears and realizing that they can actually, you know, they're going to have a week where they can actually get some heads down work done um, uh, because there's going to be fewer people in the office and less interruptions. So, so I'm looking forward to that personally.
0: Yeah, that's what we're excited about too. Like I, I, like to, I write in the morning yeah, and so usually I have to stop my writing session because my my team gets here. Because I get I get into work early. I'm like, I'm up at five. I'm a crazy person. I'm up at five a.m. like doing running and working out, and then I'm in the office by like seven thirty, uh, and then I like to do my my writing and everything until about nine. But yeah, it's it's cool because now I'll be able to persist that all the way probably until lunch.
1: <laughs> so I'm looking
0: forward to that. All right, back back to you. The acquisition, right? You had this cash, but then VMware. Came in and and some and convinced you to do this acquisition. What has it been like? Is I'm I'm assuming it's going to be a positive thing, but anything interesting that happened in there? Is it like did it change everything? Did you guys all get like VMware emails now? Like what, yeah. what's, what's changed?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we do have VMware email. Uh, I'll tell you, it's um, I've been do this um, a couple other times in terms of acquisitions. Okay, and uh, acquisitions are really really hard to get right. Um, and i'd say the thing that I think has gone really well with the VMware acquisition is first I think there was a good alignment of culture like if you look at the, the like the people that we met at VMware they're very similar uh, to the the people that we would hire at cloud health so I think th- th- that first and foremost i, I, I think um, helps uh, make it easier to uh, integrate a company especially when you're looking at a 24,000 person company acquiring a 300 and some uh, person company. But I think they got the big things right. Like there's, you know, the big things in terms of just how you uh, treat the employees, how you invest in the business, how you keep it um, kind of um, uh, uh, incubated, isolated, so that it can continue to execute its business without um, uh, a lot of distractions and interruptions. I think they got a lot of these things um, uh, done really well. And, And as a founder, you deeply appreciate that because you, you know, it's easy to, Believe all of that as you're going through the process of due diligence and deciding to go do this acquisition. But it's another thing to see it executed on the other side. Um, so, you know, and there's, there's, there's uh, and frictions that come with working in a larger company, but, um, but they're, they're, they're the frictions that come with working in any larger company because, you know, when you have a bigger brand and, you have, uh, and you're public, uh, you just have to do a few things differently. Uh, to me, that's just noise in the system. I just I, I feel like they, that we've managed to get the really big things right, which is uh, what really counts.
0: When I was reading your bio, you're talking about interdepartmental relationships, relationships between people in different departments. How do you encourage that?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of the things that uh, you have to scale. So pay attention to this one, which is uh, it, you know, in the early days, you know, um, uh, marketing talking to engineering, talking to finance was just you know uh, shout across the, the the room, and and you're having a conversation. And as you scale, you know, like today we, we take up two floors of downtown Boston of a of a large um, uh, footprint office building in downtown Boston. It's it becomes harder to go do that, and and we have offices in um, seven locations around the globe now. So. So as you start to do that, it becomes harder to actually communicate. So I think scaling communication, scaling collaboration is something to pay attention to. You have to encourage it. You have to, uh, you know, I think it starts with good goal alignment, which is if you can, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's easy to not pay attention to this early. But there's a phase in your growth where you really have to put in place uh, a good system of goal setting. And the reason why that becomes important is as you start to scale, you need all the departments and the organization as a whole to kind of, um, you know, row in the same direction. And, uh, and whatever the goal mechanism is, I think one that um, really caught my eye was just um, objectives and key results, OKRs. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that. Yeah,
0: Jim uh, John Dor. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, and he brought it to Google and a variety of other places. And so you just need some mechanism to get that goal alignment so that everyone rows in the same direction. Everyone knows how they interconnect with everyone else. And I think once you do that, I think people start to see how to collaborate with their peers because they have shared goals that that make it so that they actually have to be jointly successful. Um, And it's a much more scalable way as you go beyond 100 people, I think, to to, to drive that uh, cross-departmental communication.
0: Yeah, right now we've got like a spreadsheet, really high tech, but we got a spreadsheet and it it tracks output. So we track content produced, right? And we just, we have goals, we show like our our last month and then our our goal is to keep the output consistent, right? And, but you can see, you can see, okay, well, video outputs this, audio outputs this, those are two different departments, two different people. And then we see what um, is happening over in sales, right? With meetings booked and things like that, yeah, we have a, we have a spreadsheet. We we just track it month over month, and that's like the it's working for right now. But if you have any tips, please.
1: <laughs> um, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this uh, is right now. I'm tracking this all via a uh, spreadsheet. So, <laughs> all right, so you can get the 320 <laughs> people tracking it on spreadsheet. You got it. So, um, and no, I think the key is you're building the muscle memory in the organization. Um, uh, for for metrics, for goals, for um, you know, having, um, uh, transparency and, uh, you know, uh, kind of shared, shared ways to measure, uh, your success or, or you know, uh, or lack of success. And I think that building that muscle memory in the organization early is exactly what you should be doing. And it'll become, you'll scale it and change how you do it over time, but people will expect it right from the very beginning of an organization.
0: So with your, um, exit now, are you going to buy the Red Sox? <laughs> <laughs> you think john
1: henry would sell them <laughs> i don't know i just just throwing it out there <laughs> it uh, uh yeah my my uh, youngest son is uh uh his whole mission in life is i think to um manage baseball teams to like run baseball teams and so i think his his dream job would actually be to be dave dombrowski and uh and run the red sox so so maybe that'll come true. Maybe I should go
0: maybe. do it. Maybe, or maybe you'll, maybe you'll like live vicariously through him doing it.
1: <laughs> I might be a billion shy uh, to be yeah. able to
0: do <laughs> <laughs> You would be both, my friend. <laughs> We're getting there.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I listen to audio, uh, like books and, and stories, like um, autobiographies and things of, of different billionaires. And I just started collecting all of their habits, right? Like they get up really early, they write down what they want every day. And so I was like, everything i do is like what a billionaire does just minus the the bank account but i believe that like you have to turn the faucet on before the water will flow type deal so yeah. i believe if i if i maintain those habits and and stick with them consistently and and continue to bring value to people that that is a valid possibility on my timeline
1: yeah yeah i think it's... um I certainly is going, you know, one way or another, I think uh, if you work hard, uh, usually good outcomes happen is, um, uh, you know, and so I think, you know, people, people are willing to take chances and work hard, um, uh, certainly have an advantage over everybody else doesn't mean they're going to become a billionaire. though.
0: No, but I did find, though, that the, the amount of value that you can, like, if you bring an overwhelming amount of value, the market will respond with capital. So like if you, I used to think of it. Oh, billionaires, greedy people. They like oh this, that, or the other. And then I started looking at like the people who like actually get wealthy and like how they got wealthy. They're all doing things that are extremely valuable to a large number of humans. Like you, yeah. you the only way you can get money is by someone giving it to you for you doing something useful, yes. right? Yeah. And so then it's just a question like if you if I see someone with like a like a Lamborghini or like one of the brand new Teslas or something, I'm like, what are they like? I used to be like bitter about it. Like ah rich person. But now I'm like, I want to know, like, I'm, I'm over 30. So like, I'm sick of like, I just want to have the success. I'm like, uh, I want to know what they have are doing that's so useful that the world has handed them that much money. And then yeah. by studying them, I can figure out how to bring more value to other people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I think, um, you know, for me, I think I, it, it's funny. Uh, uh, I think the financial side always was just a, uh, like, was a by product that uh, it was always a mystery to me, but I think you hit the um, uh, nail on the head, which is, it's about figuring out how do you bring value and, uh, you know, and, and how much value can you bring? And, you know, and if you can just focus on that, especially as an entrepreneur, which is, you know, uh, if you can wake up every day and add more value for your customers than you did the day before, and then do that tomorrow and do that the next day, um, there's a decent chance that good things will happen.
0: I like that. You're positive. I like it. <laughs> I like it. There we go. You got a motivational speaker in your future, my friend.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> we'll
0: get uh, we'll get Russ on it for you. <laughs> okay. So. <sounds good. laughs> oh man, that's exciting. Okay, so what are you really excited about? You the acquisitions happen. You've grown to three hundred and twenty. But what is the thing that's happening today that you're pumped up about?
1: I feel like the uh, on a technical side, uh, what has me really excited right now is I feel like we're on the cusp of uh, transforming IT management in a way that hasn't happened before, which is for the better part of 20, 30 years, um, uh, basically, we've used technology to bring business services to our internal and external customers, and the way we've done that is we've purchased hardware we put hardware in data centers. We've deployed applications on that hardware. We've uh, hired people to actually go manage that hardware. We've bought tools to support management of that hardware. It's just this very labor-intensive, um, uh, uh, you know, very um, uh, non-scalable way to deliver business value to our internal and external customers. And I think the future—fast forward, uh, you know, 15 years from now. And it'll be more declarative. It'll be, you know, what I need this, uh, you know, SAP uh, deployed into, uh, you know, to, to my customers. You know, I want to tell you, like, here's the budget I need to have. Here's the data durability I need to have. Here's the data sovereignty I need to have. Here's the SLA performance characteristics I need to maintain. Go make it happen. And smart software will go make that happen on your behalf in the future. And it's for the first time, I think I'm seeing this kind of, uh, uh, you know, a set of trends come together around ML, around AI, uh, around platform services, you know, um, just around the, the freedom of choice that's offered from the expressibility that's in the cloud today. And they're all coming together in a way where I think you can see that future starting to take shape. And that will be transformative. It will, you know, 15 years from now, it'll let businesses focus on the value that they deliver and spend less time in technology. And I think there's been a slow incremental improvement over that over two decades, but I think we're gonna see a hockey stick over the next two decades. And I think that'll be transformative from a, from a value we can bring to customers and um, just a, you know, a productivity of all of us in the future.
0: Have you seen the uh, Lex by Amazon?
1: I have
0: yes. Oh yeah, that's exciting, <laughs> man! I was looking at what they were doing with their uh, business intelligence dashboards. Yes, you can hook so you can take all the processing power of Alexa, right? And then you can just do whatever you want with the technology. And it's like a beautiful code interface. Uh, what was it? it's not? Is it own programming language? But it was very simple and beautiful and easy to use. And they had both an interface, or you could write like raw code. And you can essentially just hook it up to say, you know, Alexa, what is the sales compared to last month? And she'll be like, sales are up 13% over last month. And it had like all of these functions like pre done into it. So it could do comparisons month over month. And all you have to do is just like hook the data up.
1: Isn't that mind blowing? I mean, you think of like 10 years ago, the effort that you would have had to put in to uh, have something that was a crude version of that was immense five years ago. It was immense. And uh, today, you and I can, you know, spend an afternoon and pull something pretty sophisticated together.
0: It's beautiful. Oh, man, I love the future. I'm so, because it's exponential growth. So I'm really pumped about, you know, 10 years. Like I was talking with my wife, I was like, our daughter is 16 months, and we've got a a little boy on the way in April, we'll be here. And I was like, I don't know if we will buy them cars, we probably just get a subscription to some like, brand that the car just comes picks them up.
1: Yeah, cars are so two thousand twenty. Right. To have a car in the future.
0: I got a jetpack, bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got a Tesla jetpack.
0: <laughs> that would be cool. Or, or if we go too far in the future, we just like beam our consciousness to another uh, organic unit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elon musk with his neural net, right? <laughs> If you go back to to the day that you started this company, right, that day you got that first accidental sale, what advice you could, you could just go spend like maybe thirty seconds with yourself and give yourself just a little bit of advice? What would it be?
1: Uh, I think um, so. When I think I, I I think I I lucked into my first customer. It was just it was a series of fortunate circumstances. But when I peel it back, what I would have told myself is you know, you need to uh, go find a customer who really is what Stephen Blank calls the early evangelist, right? It's, it's someone who has a problem, knows they have a problem, uh, you know, knows how to solve that problem, has invested in uh, solving that problem because it's so deeply important to them and they have a budget, right? And when you kind of get all these uh, uh, components aligned, you have somebody who is uh, willing to ta- make a leap on a very early idea, into to invest in it because they care so deeply about it, and it will save them so much time that they're willing to commit uh, money to it. Now, turns out I happened to find two customers, my very first two customers, who lined up perfectly with that. But it was pure accidental luck that brought me there. Uh, but there's a very simple formula. It's like a five point formula. Go look for it when you're building a new market, and and when you get rejected. Don't try to uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, accept it. Actually, failure is part of the process. And admitting that uh, maybe what you have isn't as valuable as what you thought, it, it's really important to actually uh, keep a little bit of emotional distance from your idea so that you can iterate it and learn from it. Because ultimately, um, you know, success comes from you know, just a series of failures. And, and you've got to be willing to embrace and experience those failures to be able to get to that success.
0: These five points of approaching a market—is this an article you've written? Is this something we can find online?
1: Yeah. So there's. If you search, uh, uh, I'm, I'm. You know, I have to confess, I probably haven't read it in um, over a decade. But if you search for the phrase "early evangel" the early evangelist on Google, uh, you'll probably find. Um, Something.
0: Joel, Joel Osteen just came up.
1: No, I'm, just okay. yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. I'm joking. I didn't even go. It. <laughs> it, it should be Steve Blank. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: and, uh, and I think uh, uh, you should see kind of his breakdown of the definition. And I think it's, uh, I, it, you know, it comes from this book uh, that was really pivotal in my life, which was, it's called The Four Steps to the Epiphany. And uh, so Steve Blank is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur. Um, he, was, uh, he was on the board of Eric Ries, who ended up going off and writing the book Lean Startup. Which I, I like to think is the marketing version of Four Steps to the Epiphany, and uh, uh, Four Steps is, was like his distillation of his class notes from Stanford, and um, uh, and it's just really a great um, it, it's a great read. I mean, it's dated now, but it, it really shows how as an entrepreneur you can manage um, risk, uh, which is really you know at the end of the day, an early venture is all about managing risk, and he shows you techniques to manage risk. And one of the techniques was here's. How you find your early customers? There's actually a formula for them.
0: How to find your early customers done. i'm gonna look I'm gonna look that up. We've gotten like we're doing all right. i uh, I'm excited. like it's it's weird because so you started something, so you get it. You're like founder. like you start out, you get a bunch of meetings and then sales start closing, and then you make some money. And then it's always like a question of like there's gonna be more customers next month, right? Like how like we know the market's bigger, but people will respond to It's just, it's the uncertainty is, but then like you put the work in and no matter what, like, like something comes out of it. It's just this weird, um, it's this weird journey.
1: I would agree. It's, um, part of being an entrepreneur is you have to will it to happen, which means you have to believe that next month you're actually, you know, have a chance of making that, that target number that you set out for yourself. And, uh, and you know, even if, When you look at it you have no idea how you're going to go do it and i think it's the act of like willing yourself to believe that and then convincing the people around you that you can achieve that that is that's how things get created uh you know and i think you know so you have to kind of be that person who i remember like i i used to sometimes wake up in the middle of the night just you know just you know unable to sleep because of just the weight of knowing i have all these people who have joined this company that are dependent upon this idea that I had created and expecting that it's going to be something uh, important in the industry. And I, and just that, that sense of, um, uh, I don't know, just the the, the weight of uh, just feeling that um, uh, obligation to all of them. And I feel like, you know, the, the, the counter to it though is, is what you do is you wake up and you go to work and you just have to you know convince yourself that what you believe is true. And uh, in many cases it will become true. So it's, you know, it's just a, It's something I think, as an entrepreneur, that this is why most people don't do it. Is it's an unnatural act to 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 believe something that you can't prove to be true.
0: Yeah, Elon Musk. I I like. I listened to one of his interviews, and he described it as like staring into the abyss and eating glass. (laughs) I was like, some days I'm like, yep, this is one of those uh, eating glass days. Because it's it's mostly myself. Like it is mostly an internal thing where like I'm beating myself up. Like it's like ah. am I working enough? All right. Well, I'm doing like, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, taking care of my health still and family. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's so interesting how it goes. But I notice it's like this ebb and flow. I notice when it starts to get like almost overbearing, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to let it all go. And I'm just going to go, you know, take, you know, execute like 10 things, take a whole lot of action and just really have a great day today. And then it like, like life, all of a sudden, opens up. Yeah. It'll give, it'll give you something. Like it knows when you're pushed to the breaking point, and then it backs you off, and then it gives you a little, and then you go right back into that cycle of like being pushed to your breaking point. And this and like it reminds me. I guess what I'm in hindsight right now, what I'm describing is just growth. I mean, you can't grow a muscle without tearing it.
1: No, I mean, I I I, I completely appreciate that. I, I feel like um, the piece that most people don't talk about about starting companies is. Just the emotional side of it, which is, it it is uh, emotionally a grind to actually start a company. I I used to tell people that, um, uh, like, you know, in the early phases of being an entrepreneur, it's like you have a little person on your shoulder who every day tells you you suck because something, (laughs) something will go wrong every day. You know, a customer will be unhappy with something. You won't close that sale. You'll, you, you know. You'll, uh, you'll release a defect uh, in your product and, uh, you know, and it'll cause, cause a problem with your customer base. It's just like, you, you just have to um, uh, have emotional fortitude to kind of push through it because it's not easy. And the unfortunate thing is, is even though you have a lot of people around you supporting you, um, uh, you know, not everyone feels that same uh, level, the weight of that obligation for the business that you feel. And so you just have to find a way to manage it. And it sounds like for you, it might—you know—your health outlet might actually be um, a cathartic release for uh, all the pent-up, you know, angst that comes with starting a company.
0: Oh yeah, that's—I definitely the runs in the morning are like—I block out work as much as I can and just say, all right, this hour in the morning where I r- run and have some breakfast with my family, that's like my private time. No matter what happens in my life, whether I'm doing really well or doing not really well, like that time is just. I focus on on that, yeah. Dude, this is so much. So you brought a whole lot of value today.
1: Oh, thank you. To I appreciate show. it. Yeah, this yeah. has been a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you're
0: a fantastic. Personality, super enjoy you. Love what you're doing. Look forward to uh, getting a copy of your marketing material that does have the the sad <laughs> cloud <laughs> or the <laughs> rainstorm on it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, that, we, that wraps it up. I mean, we made a podcast okay. and uh, if people want to, to find you or learn more, do you hang out on LinkedIn or Twitter?
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, so I'm Joe Kinsella on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can also find me on, on LinkedIn. Again, Joe Kinsella. I'm uh, CTO and VP at VMware Now, uh, formerly CTO and founder of Cloud Health Technologies.
0: Woo. Congratulations on all of your
1: success. How old are your kids real quick? Um, my, uh, oldest is a, uh, freshman in uh, college and my, uh, my youngest is a senior in high school. You have a, you have a freshman
0: in college. I have a freshman in college. Dude, you and me, we both have the gift of like good genes. <laughs> 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 because like people tell me all the time, like I like young, like they're like, ah, oh, you know, what are you in high school? I'm like, no man, I'm
1: 30 I'm <laughs> Hey, and you know, not only that, I have a freshman in college, and he's a computer science major. Which is, I was a computer science major. I like to say that all computer science majors have a have an obligation to produce one more computer science major. All right, well, you fulfilled (laughs) exactly. Gotta say, at least population neutral.
0: Population neutral. (laughs)
1: Oh man, this is great! All right,
0: well, I was actually in Boston like two weeks ago, but uh, I'll probably be in Boston again in March, uh, meeting with, doing a little talk there with um, Harvard. But when I'm out there, I'm gonna uh, look you up and maybe stop by and say hello because you're a fantastic person to know.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I'd love to have you. St- I'd love to have you stop by. I'll show you the digs here, and uh, it'll be fun to keep the connection going. And if there's a, ever another opportunity, you want to catch up and talk on the podcast, let me know.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Joe. You have a fantastic holiday.
1: Thanks. You too. See you,
0: Bye. Joel. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help, please take a moment right now to open up the iTunes app and leave a review of the podcast. If you take a screenshot of the review and text it or email it to a friend who needs to listen to the podcast and then CC me, joel at moderncto.io. If you CC me on the email, I'll send you a copy of the Modern CTO book or give you a shout out on the podcast, whichever you prefer. We're trying to get listed on the top 100 for iTunes, and I need your help in order to do this.